You always see the intro, so. Uh, welcome back to Any Given Thursday. We're here with another very special edition of Club Spotlight. Ooh. Eventually, we'll come up with a sexier name than that. Yeah. This is our sixth entry, and today is David is going to teach us all about Carabag. Carabag. Yeah, Carabag. I still don't know how to pronounce it because Carabag, Carabag. I have found so many different pronunciations and spellings online. This is the Azerbaijan to English translations. Very confusing. It doesn't work that well. Doesn't work very well. Um, so I had to do a lot of deep digging. Obviously, Wikipedia was my first stop for all the factual things, like when the as it should be when they started winning league titles. Remember they founded those types mm-hmm. of things. Tifo, I believe it was Tifo or the Athletic, did a good video when they made their Champions League appearance in 2017-18. Mm. On them, Copa 90 did another good one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then outside of that, you know, just general Googling of things and their club website is like super well done. So props to them. Their club mm-hmm. website, very, very good easy. club website. Great club website. Really? Very easy to get around. The Azerbaijan Premier League's website, uh, not not great. Not great. Not great. That one a lot clunkier. Is Karabag just the Azerbaijani league? Uh no, 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 no. There's okay. we'll get to it in a little bit, but there's to tell me. one other main competitor. Okay. In the Azerbaijan. I wonder if we can hear the dog drinking in the I background. I really hope here. we can because it's it, very possible. Yeah. It's, it's kind of distracting. It's an ASMR thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're so you're enjoying yourself? You need more? You're good? Why don't you come back in? Yeah, why don't you come in on the bed? Why don't you come on in? Why don't you come in? Come you can hang out on the bed. Cool. You chill. We'll talk. Yeah, and the dog has to make an appearance at least every episode. Once an episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I normally now this start... this looks like you've written history notes here. Yeah, I normally start I mean, chronologically, and, and I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'll just start with their founding. Um, It's a little confusing as to when they were actually founded and what counts as the official mm. Karabag founding. But what I do know is that in 1951... Someone wanted a professional club in Agdam, which is in the Karabag region of Azerbaijan, which is a primarily Armenian region. But Agdam is the Turkic city within that. So the Azeri people are there. And so that's where the club's founded. It's not where they play anymore. We'll get to why they don't play there anymore. Uh, But they were thought of in 1951, but they didn't play their first professional game until 1966. Mm. Under the name of Mesu. And they're old, huh? I mean, they're not old. Not old, but that's still kind of old by yeah. Azerbaijan standards. Sure. Remember, it's a very small country yeah, yeah. that up until the 90s was part of the Soviet yeah. Union. I so just wonder was... if they didn't have like a, there, a team there. So, you know, I don't think they had a team USSR. there before. I don't think they had a team in Agdam. They didn't have a Soviet before, league team. Who had a team okay, in yeah. the Soviet pyramid. And then obviously the Azerbaijan league existed mm. before as like a fourth tier ish kind of of the Soviet mm. Union. It's very confusing. Mm. I don't quite understand what how the Soviet pyramid worked and I can't really find a good answer for it. But the Soviets didn't build pyramids. That's ridiculous. Exactly. You're right. That was the Egyptians. Don't think don't be ridiculous. Um but they played first professionally in 1966 under the name Mesul. And they were in the Azerbaijan local league, which was the top league in Azerbaijan, but there were Azeri clubs in the Soviet top i think the third league was the highest Mm. any club was so you know like they're in the top division but they're not a top team Mm -hmm. right uh really poorly uh managed in the first few years but they managed the second place finish despite all that and only lasted four years um and then they 
folded, ceased operations, something along those lines due to financial mismanagement. And that's the end of the episode? That's the end of the episode. So All that's right. Cool. That was easy. Yeah. Uh, no, they came back in 1977, this time under the name Sapak. And in 1982, they changed their name again. Third time. Third name for this club. Co- Cooperative Society. <laughs> which wow such commies yeah um what a bunch of fucking commies it was to be fair a communist regime what a bunch of fucking commies and uh they changed it again in 1988 to karabag to represent the region better choice that they're from the karabag region all right and that was also the year they first won the azerbaijan title so that was you know fun little coincidence yeah karabag i don't know if that's a coincidence title it all seems to come together it's a little too neat Mm. um but winning the title meant they were given the right to compete in the Soviet Second League, which, despite its name, was the third tier. Um, <laughs> it had nine groups their first year competing in it, and they were in the Caucasus group, which mostly consisted of teams from like that very southern part of Russia and Azerbaijan. They came 11th, so not great, but like mid-table, um, you think. They get relegated because the league's shrinking from nine groups to three. Oh, so, you know, it's tough. <laughs> 1989 Soviet Union a little bit of trouble yeah. you know it's shrinking the league system should probably shrink with it I assume that's what Gorbachev was thinking at the time yeah he was like but... he was like I, I I very specifically feel the Azerbaijanian team should not be Dude. in the third tier proper yeah <laughs> let's um, make an executive decision on that yeah so they went down to the Soviet second league group B which was basically just what the Azerbaijan local league became because they were all uh-huh. Azerbaijan teams. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like they just went back down uh-huh. to the local league, but they won it pretty easily. And in 1991, they came third in the Soviet second league group, th- group B, group something. Uh-huh. So, you know, like pretty decent showing for them. They were the second highest placed Azerbaijan team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they had kind of in the 80s, I think is when they kind of established themselves as a real team that's good within the Azerbaijan context, mm-hmm. as opposed to just a team that exists out of Agdam. Sure. Um, post-Soviet era didn't start super well for them because in 1993, they were forced out of Agdam, which oh, no. was, you know, the Turkic uh, population center within Nagorno-Karabakh because there was a war. <laughs> Yay. Well, boo, but Yay, war. Yay. Um, and Karabakh were kind of like a representation of the Azerbaijani minority in the region. So obviously when the Armenians launched an offensive and took control of Nagorno-Karabakh, they occupied the territory. A lot of Azerbaijanis fled. Um, I have some stats that I probably won't read out because they're sad and make me <laughs> feel bad. Um, but as a club, they were forced to kind of travel around for a bit. And they were actually in some real financial trouble. Um, but in 2001, the Azerbaijani government leader, Heder Aliyev, who, you know, might not be always the best guy, but, you know, Karbak fans do owe him a little bit of debt because he, you know, uh, created a system for the state to kind of sponsor the club mm. and get investment through state aid funding and help finding new sponsors and uh, also help them establish themselves in Baku, where they now play. Mm-hmm. Because they still can't go back to Karabag because there's a war. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the war, it's just it's a cultural thing. And so I don't know if this is necessarily the best place to talk about it, but uh 
for our perspectives within this conversation, it forced Karabakh out and it's still kind of ongoing. In 2020, there was the kind of new full scale war launch mm. because Turkey was finally big enough to get involved. And, you know, our Azerbaijanis are Turkic, right? So Turkey mm. wants to get involved on their side. And then Russia supports Armenia and it's a big proxy thing. And Russia supports Armenia. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Armenians aren't Turkic. Yeah, that's probably why. I don't know. I didn't look up why Russia supports Armenia. I thought that's not relevant to the conversation we need to have today. Yeah, but I here we are, and we need to talk about it. So I probably should have. But I never make out who supports who. It's yeah, but you know, just to put a little damper on our conversation to, you know, acknowledge the people suffering. There's since a war on. There's a war, and since May 2021, at least 325 people have lost their lives, including 22 civilians. So, yeah, you know, hopefully. I don't know. I don't know what the correct solution is here because it's not easy. It's two people that mm. ethnically are so divergent from each other and mm-hmm. occupy the same territory. But it's more of those, more of those white ethnic conflicts. Yeah, yeah, that's a crazy um, thing. It really just seems like you know that's a crazy thing to. It's a, one of the hardest things to like comprehend. I think from a Western perspective, mm-hmm. is like not racial tension, but racial tension between. Ethnic groups that, yeah. they, that, groups look, that, from that like, look the same from, yeah, the, from uh, our perspective. From our perspective. Right? From what yeah. we're taught is like, oh, they look like people from the Caucasus. Yeah. Right. So it is, but you know, very different culturally. And yeah. Yeah. Obviously a lot of tensions there. But yeah, um, I guess back to the soccer. Um, since being in Azerbaijan in their own domestic league after the fall of the Soviet Union, Karabagh came fourth. And then they followed it up with the league title. So while they were like kind of forced to travel around, they were still experiencing success. But for most of the time, they were just kind of like a stagnant mid-table-ish club. They picked up a couple second and third place finishes and won the cup a couple times in their early history. But in 2008, everything changed. It was the appointment of Gurban Gurbanov, who is still there and still has an incredible name. He's Uh, a manager? He is a manager. Yes. So he he's he manages. I assume he was like uh, like an owner or a no no no. Director, he's the director of football operation. He's the manager. So he. Um, I mean, he's very heavily involved in all the backroom. Is stuff. he the longest running manager in Europe? Uh, <laughs> he might be. Honestly, yeah, I can't think of Since another one. Two thousand eight. That's a really really long time. That's a long time. Yeah. Um. When he took over, it's actually kind of a interesting story why he took over. So Karabag had this man Rasim Kara who, you know, they've been doing okay, but they weren't great, you know. Um, But he seemed like a solid manager. One week before the season's about to start, he jumps ship to go to Kazar Lankarnan. And they're, Karabagh are scrambling. They're trying to find somebody. And Gurban Gurbanov had a very short spell at Nefchibaku, Mm. um, who are obviously, I think you probably recognize their name a little bit. The other big. They're the other big club. club, But he was only appointed there because he's Azerbaijan footballing legend, one of the best players for the national team in their history. Mm. So he got appointed Nefchi. It didn't go very well. He was let go pretty quickly. And they were like, okay, you know what? He's available. Let's get him in. Let's see what he can do. Mm -hmm. He committed to just kind of finding local talents, and they just became like the destination Mm. for Azerbaijani players. Mm Well, Nefchi is bringing in, you know, stars for that level right True. guys from all over the region guys from kazakhstan and mm-hmm. uh georgia you know so countries with a little bit more footballing i guess pedigree mm-hmm. than azerbaijan have um Gurbanov focused on just finding 
Azerbaijani talents kind of taken to the next level. And they finished fifth that first season, which for them, and it's still mid table in Azerbaijan. It's a very small league, 10 teams. 10 teams. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but they. But that's the top half. It's top half. It's a top half finish. And they won the cup. Oh. And then the next few years, they came third uh, and then third again. Oh, boy. And then fourth. Fourth. So dropped back down. And then second. Oh. Right. So the now they're the first. team. They're the team challenging that's next one year. One fewer than one. Yeah. Uh, and then 2013-14, they finally broke through. They won the league title. They ended Nefchi's dominance. And then they would go on to win seven in a row. Wow. So that's the is, is that the first time since, what, the 80s that they won the title? It was the first time since 92. 92 that they won? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for just quick backtracking there, I can't speak for non-top five leagues, but in terms of top five leagues, Diego Simeone, who's rumored to be stepping down this year, is a little over 11 years. Mm-hmm. In charge, and he's and the longest serving. He's one. the longest serving in the top five leagues. Mm. So at the very least, he's better than that. Yeah, I'm sure there's somebody who's been around for like, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's 30 years. And when you look at like low league teams, a lot of yeah, them like will Luxembourg, have... but yeah. yeah. Well, I was and also Christian teams... Strike has been 11 years as well. Okay, I was thinking teams in like the like a fourth or fifth tier. Yeah, right. That, who just that sometimes have, stick yeah. with a guy for 30 for years? For that, I have no idea. Yeah, but he's definitely. One of the longest serving managers yeah, in, is, in the world. Probably. He's been there for yeah. so long and completely changed what the, their standing within mm-hmm. Azerbaijan, like the face of Azerbaijan football is now. They went Karabag. from an Azerbaijani team to the Azerbaijani yeah. team. Yeah. The uh, article change there, mm-hmm. really important. It is. It is. That's, that's just grammar. Yeah. Seven seven league titles in a row. 2020, 2021, disaster for the club. They came second. Um, <laughs> but they won last year. Yeah. They, Did look, they at least win the cup uh, I don't that think year. So. <laughs> wow. Um, they look like they're well on their way to winning this year. They sit top of the table halfway through yeah. by seven points over not Nefchi, but Sabah. Oh, so true. Who are one of the two teams Karbag have drawn against this year, but I'll talk about oh, that boy. a little bit later. They've um, only dropped. How many points have they dropped? Four points. <laughs> and how many games? 18. In 18 games. <laughs> they are dominating the 16, league. 16-2-0. and 0. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to mention that uh, their logo, gorgeous. I love the horses fucking the ball? Yeah, two horses, either side of a ball. Looks like they're um, both background. one side of the ball. kind of does. I just like the purple and gold trim on everything. I think it looks the purple really, is nice. Really nice. Um. Oh, you can't see it. And there. we yeah, we've talked about it before. Um, they get a lot of shout outs in the group stage for mm-hmm. not just their excellent play, mm-hmm. but for their very sexy jerseys. They had really nice uniform set this year. Yeah. Um three kit three separate kits that are are have a nice subtle patterning to mm-hmm. them that are, are quite lovely. Yeah. Um oh, I really love the patterning on it. Yeah. And yeah, the colors I think just work really well together. I really can't unsee the the, the ball. Yeah, now right that now. you said it, I can't unsee yeah. it. I didn't see it first, but <laughs> um they are also known uh as the horseman or the horseman that's At- a cool nickname Atalilar, uh-huh. as you would say it in uh the language in azerbaijan <laughs> the language known as azerbaijani <laughs> yes um so and the blue and whites because that's their color blue yeah it's i think it's technically like uh, a really really deep uh, blue okay. not a purple but it looks it's a i think it's purple. the horseman is a cool nickname the horseman is a cool nickname and the horse is like a symbol of the karabakh region uh-huh. so that's why they use it they're the they're the Rohan. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That, I'm sure that's honestly, all Western people can understand are Lord of the Rings references. Honestly, they would probably love that comparison. Mm-hmm. I think Turkic people and their the riders of Karabag. affinity for horses and yeah. riding warfare would mm-hmm. really appreciate that comparison. The riders of Karabag. Yeah. So the horsemen of Karabag. Sticking with their history, 
Uh, we should talk a little bit about their European pedigree. So they didn't make a European group stage until 2014 or 15. Obviously, they had a couple appearances because they won the cup a couple times and mm. second place finished. But that was first year they made a group stage. And they were drawn the with... Europa League, I presume. Yes, in the Europa League. They were drawn with Inter, Dnipro, and ASSE, Saint-Etienne. So you have two Bummer, <laughs> really, really historic clubs. Yeah. And Dnipro, who... Before Saint-Etienne also... suck balls. Um, you say that, but oh, wait yeah. 30 seconds. Uh, Dnipro, who are also at the time, very, very good team for Ukrainian mm. side as well. So really tough group. They managed a win against Dnipro, two draws against Saint-Etienne, wow. and a draw against Inter. Wow. You know, I don't, I believe they picked up seven points at home. Were Inter bad then? No. When were they? I mean, they weren't good. They weren't, they weren't good, but they were not. They were for their standards. They were probably bad for Inter standards, but Were they like a fringe top four? Yeah. Yeah. And they obviously missed out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they were fifth year before. Uh Uh, This was a little bit before they got like really, really bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Milan got really, really bad. Um, Who was their coach then? That's beside the point. Continue. Continue. But anyway, they came third ahead of St. Etienne. Mm. So it's actually like a really good showing for a team's first ever group snaps, stage. Snaps. Yeah. Um. Since then, they've made at least the group stage of the Europa League in every year they've made Europe mm. until last year when they went straight into the Conference League because mm-hmm. they came second. Mm-hmm. Um. But that actually might have been a little bit of a blessing in disguise for them because they were able to get out of their group for the first time in club history. I believe the first time in Azerbaijan history that a team gets out of a European group. Mm. And but they didn't get out of the Europe the when they finished second? The no, they finished league? third, third. Oh ahead, ahead of, of ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Behind Inter and uh-huh. yeah. So they finished above Ammonia and Karat from Kazakhstan. So it's just like a really eastern leaning mm. group. Uh then they got absolutely bodied <laughs> by mm. Marseille six one in the knockout rounds. Okay. But you know, really like pretty impressive shown in Europe for them for a country that tends not to have a lot of good showings mm-hmm. but the way most people know about them and where a lot of what i was able to find about them all the writing came from this time period was the 2017 2018 champions league they had their little sheriff tears bowl moment yeah uh, not quite as successful as sheriff yeah. tears bowl but they did make the group stage they were uh drawn into the champions league second qualifying round against sam Treda from georgia so you know kind of local a little bit of a rivalry there from the countries they actually like dominated them. Like, I've never heard of that club. So. Yeah, Sam Trade is not a big club yeah. in Georgia, and Karabakh dominated that matchup. Um, and kind of set up the expectation that hey, this is another European group stage. This is good. You know, I think this is a good team for us, and maybe we can you know finally try to get out of the European group stage. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't. That's not exactly what came to fruition because they were drawn against Sheriff Tiraspol, mm. future Champions League darlings. Yep, not this one. They were knocked out pretty easily by yeah. Karbag. And then they got drawn against yeah. Copenhagen. Uh-huh. And big club. Look, I wasn't in the media back then like yeah. I am now. Yeah, we're but the I media. Can, we're the media. I can guarantee, guarantee that I would not have picked them to win that time. <laughs> um, but they actually dominated the first leg. Mm. Uh, it ended one nothing, And yeah. that's being really generous to the Danes. They got really mm. lucky in that game. Uh, only managed seven shots. Did Copenhagen to 16 from Karabag. Uh, and took the second leg to Denmark, where once again they outplayed Denmark. They outplayed Copenhagen. Mm. Uh, but the Danish team won two one. But that was when away goals mattered. Yes, and so Karabag go they advance. Brilliant. Yeah. Um. And in the group stage, it must have been a scandal in Copenhagen. Oh man, the <laughs> they must have been okay. furious. Uh, group stage, they were drawn with that probably, wouldn't surprise me at all. Probably the toughest group that they could have possibly been drawn with. Uh-oh. It was Roma. 
Atletico, and Chelsea. So that was the toughest group, to dude. That was definitely the toughest it's group. group. It's not. It's a good you group should then. remember this is good athletic Roma yeah. coming off a second place finish and making uh-huh. it all the way to the semifinals of the right. Champions League. That's the team that came back against Barca uh-huh. and then almost did the same thing to Liverpool. It's a good Atletico team. Yeah, um, Atletico, recently made two Champions League final runs. Yep, and would go on to win the Europa League title that year. Oh, really? That that mm-hmm. year? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Chelsea were the defending Premier League champions, mm-hmm. but right? that, um, that means they're terrible. The year yes. after. So. <laughs> Yeah, came fifth in the league. Yeah, that, year. yeah, yeah. Um, that was Conte, right? Yep. Or was it Jose? That was Conte. That was Conte. Conte. Um, fifth is and... pretty good for a year after a title run for Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, that's because Conte is a great manager. Uh, do you know why Atletico went down to the Europa League and not Chelsea? Because Carabag beat them. Because Carabag drew Atletico oh, twice. Yeah. <laughs> Atletico couldn't beat them. Unbeatable Carabag. Um, they did lose all their games to Roma and Chelsea. Chelsea dominated them. Mm. Uh, Roma, it was relatively competitive, actually. I think Roma won by two and then one. Mm. Um, but, you know, Carabag just, they shut Atletico down. They got a nil-nil at home and a one-one, despite yeah, having did. a man sent off in both of the games. <laughs> so they came last, but I think, you know, outside yeah, of the Atleti, Chelsea games. Atleti. Yeah, good for them. Absolutely. Good outside of the Chelsea games, they did themselves really, really proud in the group mm-hmm. stage. And it was the first time an Azerbaijan team had made the Champions League group stage. Mm. So great for them. Um, from that run, I don't know if you remember any of these names. Michel, who spent most of his career in La Liga. My Bell? Yes. Same guy, actually. Inspired the him. Beatles song. Of course I know him. Um, He came to Carabag at the end of his career. Pedro Enrique, who bounced around, but he was at clubs like Ren and Pauk and Sivaspor, so pretty high level. Mm. Um, and then Mahir Emreli, who is currently at Zagreb, and he was kind of like the breakout star. He's only 25. Oh, okay. So, yeah, definitely young. Um, but yeah, I guess kind of onto their current state, right? Since they're still pretty good and we're talking about them now, not talking mm-hmm. about the 2017, 2018 mm-hmm. car bag. Right now, they are dominating Azerbaijani League, as we've mentioned. They came third in the Europa League group stage, which means that they advanced to the Conference League knockouts. And unlucky to finish time. third, Absolutely. to be honest. We actually, we coming into those last fixtures, we actually predicted that they'd finish ahead of, uh, of nope. uh, Nantes because they were frankly better than them in the in that stage. I think they were yeah. a little unlucky. Nantes sort of rode like a huge home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it took it down to the last day. Disappointing. I think they probably deserved it. Yeah. But... I mean, to be fair, the... Home field advantage for Carbag was, was also good too, yeah. really good. I think, they, I think they probably deserved to go through second on the balance of play, but um, yeah. I think they, they, I mean, I'm sure, I think they'll be actually pretty competitive in the, in the conference league. The conference Absolutely. League, so. um, Who do they draw? That is, you know, I literally knew this one second ago because obviously I wrote all these things down, oh. but it's slipping my mind right now. Let me uh, pull it up. Okay. Yeah. Do, 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 Gent. Do, Gent. Who looked not great. Looked bad, yeah. yeah. Been, um, that's a win. That's a winnable That's draw. a very winnable draw. Yeah. Especially because when you take things back to Baku, mm-hmm. it's a different setting. They can't play in their normal stadium, the Azers on Arena, because it's too small to meet UEFA standards. Oh, what's their nor- what what size is it? Five thousand five hundred. Oh. I didn't I haven't seen pictures of their actual I assume they played in that big old mm-hmm. one in Baku. Yeah, so they play at the national stadium, which can sit sixty seven thousand oh, people. Wow. Those, those and, were pretty full for those Europa for those mm-hmm. Europa. Group yeah, stages. they sold it out for the Champions League group. Wow. Um, so explain to me, maybe you don't have to do this right now. If this is part, if this ties in later. Yeah. How is their fan base so big? Um. Well, I think a large part of it is because they represent the idea of Turkic people uh-huh. in the conflict against the Armenian people, right? Uh-huh. So 
Agdam was a big city and a lot of people were forced out of it. So, it's an so they do have, there are a lot of people from Agdam that live in oh, Baku now. Okay. So there is that. But then I think it's there's like just a the esque sort of thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I think there's also the ethnic component and that like they kind of represent what it means to be Turkic against okay. in a struggle. Right. Mm. I'm um, trying to think because... of another example of something like that in Europe. Yeah. Um, like, that, that That's like a values or not a values club, but like something recognized by a population outside of a specific region that's yeah I guess, but I that, mean, that's not necessarily all right. i can think of is bad example yeah yeah so this would pass, um well maybe it. it's like a saint pauli like saint pauli have a ton of fans uh-huh. from outside germany uh-huh. because they represent like right you know that super left wing and mm-hmm. acceptance and everything but um it's kind of different because they're still because it's an ethnic play. thing because <laughs> yeah. they still it's not yeah. an ethnic thing it's like a yeah. values thing oh but, yeah, yeah yeah um i know it's it is pretty common in like yeah, Africa and Latin America that have clubs that represent expat uh-huh. groups, but again, I think that's interesting. A little different. Let me see if I can pull up the. And you uh, said that Baku hosts the twenty three Conference League final, right? Um, or was it the Europa League final? Ooh, was it the Europa League final? I feel like they're hosting. It I think something is hosting a final. Um, I can't remember. I feel like I just saw that. Um, yeah, yeah just like who's hosting the Conference League. Did you wait for hand hosting rights for Azerbaijan to the Europa League final? Oh, it's the Europa League. Europa League. Damn, I was gonna say, what, if, what if they could they could host the Conference League final in? Yeah, that'd be... they could play their final in their own city. How cool would that be? Yeah, that would be so cool. Yeah, the Conference League's probably something weird, like like Baku. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the people of Baku, man. Um, it's out there though. Yeah. Uh, Here, let's pull up the attendances. So. You know, I, oh no no the conference league finals in Albania it's in okay. Tirana. Yeah, so they close the top deck for the conference league games uh-huh. and the Europa League games. Oh, okay, so the... but they're still averaging thirty thousand people these mm. games, right? That's a good attendance. Yeah. You know, like a lot of the other teams. Have, yeah, the the games not look... not we're bringing in thirty thousand, right? Yeah, right. So it, in and they, in, in their Stadium, context, they haven't played 000. a European match in like thirty years. So yeah, or twenty years. I mean, yeah. So they're a rabid, ready and to go. Freiburg Stadium is thirty one thousand. Yeah, right. So they're as big a club as these others fan base wise. Yeah, um, which is pretty impressive when you're talking about a, a mm-hmm. league that is not quality or history wise mm-hmm. up there. Man, um, uh, this is a totally irrelevant aside, but I just looked up that Albanian stadium that yeah. they're hosting conference final. It's fucking nice. It's brand new. Ooh, that's it's really, really fancy. Nice. It's the Albanian national stadium. The Arena Combat. Yeah, really. That's, that's a definitely perfect, not how you pronounce that. Conference league but, final. Anyway, yeah. back to the back to business. Okay, yeah. So Check it out. How they're playing right now? They use a four-two-three-one, mm-hmm. and Gerbanov has always kind of used this. Gerbanov, tear down that wall of press. Um. <laughs> So he's always bad, used the kind of short tiki taka esque style that he likes. Um, love taka tiki. Love setting up these little triangles with zippy short passes. Um, I love zippy short passes. It's a little more forward attacking than you would normally get from like a tiki taka team. So it's uh-huh. not as it's a little not more like, direct. Yeah, it's not like Spain yeah. or sure. those old bar teams where you get uh-huh. eight hundred passes. Yeah, 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 right. But they'll get like five hundred. Uh-huh. So they're going to pass a lot. They're going to possess the ball. But they're still going to keep it moving forward. And I think a lot of that had to do with the play of Caddy Borges mm-hmm. in the uh, group stage and also the speed of some of their wingers. Like Zubir mm-hmm. is super fast and uh, can really catch you off guard mm-hmm. if you're not ready to run. Yeah. So I think that just allowed them to be a little more direct. Um, just a little more on Gerbanov because I just wrote this down. I didn't say it the first time. Mm-hmm. 
but he was a super successful player before he became manager. He was capped for Azerbaijan 68 times, which, you know, up there in one of their highest totals. Uh, his whole family, super athletic. His brother was also capped for mm-hmm. Azerbaijan. And his son, Musa Gurbani, Gurbani, I don't know how to pronounce it. It was a letter that doesn't exist in English, Gurbani. and I made it in L. Oh, okay. That was the closest <laughs> thing. Um, he's only 20, and he already has five caps for the national team. Damn. So, you know, it runs in the blood for mm-hmm. those guys. They're super good at soccer. Um, and, yeah. He also, you know, like we said, they like more local players, so they have a fairly local team. There's not a, They haven't filled up all their international slots, right? Mm-hmm. So they could still bring in more international players if they so chose. Um, on those players, who are their players? You might be asking. Yeah. A lot of people asking, David, who's on Karabag right now? Yeah, how international are they? That comes up quite often. Um, So we'll start with a non-international player, right? And kind of the face of modern Karabag as well, alongside Gurbanov, it's Maxim Medvedev. He's... Med... Not... Med... Medvedev. Okay. Medvedev. Maxim Medvedev. You can't really talk about Karabag without talking about him. Because he okay, came in, geez, and, I won't. he came through their youth system and debuted in 2006. So him becoming the first team regular coincided with Gurbanov's appointment, right? Mm-hmm. So he starts starting for the team in 2008, the same time Gurbanov comes in. Yeah, right. He's right back and can play left back a little bit, but mostly on the right. He's now 33, so he's not getting a ton of appearances, mm-hmm. but he does still pick up the odd appearance here or there. He came on as a sub a lot in the Europa League group stage. Um. And he is the club captain, the record appearance holder as well, and also the national team captain. Just like he is kind of the legend of, if you want to talk about 2010s Azerbaijani football, I think he's like the guy, right? He's their story of the 2010s is the story of Maxim Medvedev. I'm trying to figure out where Azerbaijan stands like internationally these days. Um, Not not standing, sitting. Um, laying down. I assume they're in C, Nations League C. Yeah. Oh, there they are. Oh, they're okay. Yeah, they finished behind Kazakhstan. They finished who... above Slovakia? That's so embarrassing. That is Slovakia. really bad for Slovakia. Slovakia's a bad generation, dude. Yeah. Belarus, obviously, awful. Yeah. So Azerbaijan is in the category of, like, a... Bulgaria, Kosovo. Luxembourg. Mm. No, yeah. Yeah. Kosovo, yeah. Maybe, Better, like, may... if you take Varskelly off of Georgia. Oh, yeah, Georgia's yeah. good again now because yeah. of that. North Macedonia has had a good couple of years. Oh, God, that's not. I mean, they're not. There's some decent. They're not terrible teams mm-hmm. we're talking about here. No, and that's why John's a really how tiny they are. I mean, it's yeah. a tiny. Country. What I don't even know what the population is, but it's. I imagine it's ten million, which oh, is way bigger than million. Baku must be size, huge. Yeah, dude. almost the size of Greece. Wow. Yeah. Okay, then they should be better. <laughs> <laughs> wow, but Baku... you have to remember, like soccer isn't always yeah, the yeah. number one sport in right. this country. I don't know. I didn't look up the, you know, what's the biggest God, sport. Baku is two point two plus million yeah wow okay yeah baku's big i knew baku was really really big okay but... i was trying to give praise to azerbaijan but i guess they don't want it so yeah <laughs> but Go wow, back that's, to Medvedev. they are huge football um, is the number one sport in azerbaijan okay wow nine thousand registered players that's pretty good yeah um, they should be better yeah so another one of the azerbaijani players that's really good for them is zubir so mm. left winger, he's 31 now, so he's unlikely mm-hmm. to make the move. We and covered like, him on the this year on the we mud. did because he was on our team of the week, I think, twice. Yeah. I mean, he's a good player, hell yeah. He is not always a huge goal threat, but he does love to cut inside, right? So he's super dangerous when he gets the ball and is able to kind of shift centrally mm-hmm. and kind of allow players like Caddy Borges to get forward mm. and playing whoever's on the right because that shifts a lot. 
And Wusu, their main striker in the Europa League, you know, it drew kind of his defender away, which would allow him to play Wusu through. You know, really, really good player. Um, they had a key departure that I'll mention soon. So Zubir is going to have to be. Well, he like, has to step up. He's really in the January have to, window. Yeah, fuck. He's going to have to be a huge star for that. You hate the January chance. window. Um, not to win the league, they should still win the league. But if they want to be Ghent, he's going to play a huge role in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one of their key domestic players is their goalkeeper, Mahamadaviev. Okay. So <laughs> he's just like a really good. We've covered him as well. Yeah. He, he was, was on really our good, uh, uh, group stage, didn't he? Yes. Against when part. they beat uh, Nantes, I believe. Uh, he made our team of the week uh-huh. and just a really, really good, solid goalkeeper. They faced six expected post shot expected goals against this season mm. and they out- underperformed that by one so they only allowed five goals in the europa league okay which is you know yeah pretty good to yeah less for... than one a match is great in european, european football, football. I mean... yeah and a large part of that was thanks to mahamadu being yeah you know, just he's a very sure pair of, pair How of old hands is he? He... Older um let me check it's right here he's 28 mm. yeah that's too bad he would be more fun if he was like 22 yeah oh it also, his, you're like, when's the big move happening? Yeah. When he's the De Gea replacement, oh, his beard <laughs> is also incredible. Thick, yeah. Wasn't there something about him being like the backup or something? Remember, we had like a yeah, that couldn't figure so, out who was like first and second. So he's definitely the starter. Okay. I think the reason it was said on the broadcast that he's the backup, uh, and wrong. that was I think they're wrong, but it's confusing because they rotate so much mm. between domestic and European. Football. Interesting, like, it's. Oh, near have the, full scale rotation. Really, the whole roster? Yeah, they have the players for that. Mm-hmm. I assume they're playing the better players in Europe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's like their best. I assume they put their best foot forward there because they can win in Azerbaijan. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, like that's a pretty deep squad. Then it's a really deep squad. So if you look at their top goal scorers uh, in the league are Ramil Shedayev and Musa Kerbani. Kerbani, I don't again. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, it's a letter that we don't have in English. Um, I go with Gerbanli, I think is the closest thing. So he has twelve goals in the Premier League. He has not appeared in the Europa League. Ever. Wow, that's so interesting. Right? And he's the son of the coach. Um, Kubusu oh, wow. has started for the Europa League team, and like we've watched him, he's a very good, solid striker. Uh, he has five goals in the Premier League because he's not starting a ton. So if they very interesting are playing a Europa League game, they uh-huh. basically just rest. The eleven that are going to play that game, huh. which is an interesting strategy, and I think when you're a club like Karabag, who are just so much bigger right now, yeah, than pretty much everyone else in the league, you can kind of do it, uh, right? Super, super interesting. Yeah, so I think that's kind of where that came from is the idea, like, oh, well, he's not starting in the league, so he's the backup right. and he's playing in Europe, right? Because that's what the big country teams would do, right? Uh-huh. Like a Premier League team might start their backup goalkeeper, yeah, in the Europa League, yeah, yeah, yeah. but Matt Turner. <laughs> I saw an ESPN thing that was like Matt Turner, three clean seats in his first four like starts. I'm like, bro, they just played Oxford United. <laughs> you can't be posting that. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. They played Zurich twice. <laughs> Come on. The other guy who's been playing in um, Azerbaijan is Luka Gergashashvili, who is mm-hmm. Georgian. Yeah, I can tell by the name. Yeah. Um, whenever we get a at the uh, end. Uh, He's 23 now, but he was like the main goalkeeper for their youth team until he just aged oh. out. Mm-hmm. So he's also another like pretty good goalkeeper for this level of football. Yeah. Like, um, so really, really deep team because of that. Um, another player I wanted to highlight is Marko Jankovic, who is 
Montenegrin international. It's <laughs> the only foreign international on the team. He's a oh really? Yeah, he's a midfielder. Um, he actually had like a relatively decent career. Let's see if I can pull him up before he came to Carabag, you know, at Partizan, Olympiacos, Partizan, uh, Spall, and Crotone. And it's not even a like bit. a late life thing. He's still 27. Yeah. So I think that also shows qualities. Like, they're bringing in guys who are playing for other uh-huh. international teams uh-huh. and guys who've played and, you know, very briefly, right? Mm-hmm. Serie B, which is relatively high-level league for a second tier. Olympiacos are a big club. Partizan are a big club. Mm-hmm. They're getting the, that quality of player to come in. Just joined from Hapoel Tel Aviv, another like really solid team. Yeah, good team. Um, they also have a guy uh, Gara Garayev, which you know, just for Kara to be in Karabag, it's, I good just name. it's a great name. It's, it's good name. Yeah, yeah. Um, look at the roster. What are their potential weak spots in Europe? I would say it's been a clinical goal scorer. Owusu is great at creating space and making runs and being dangerous, but he isn't always great at actually scoring the ball. Mm. They underperformed XG quite substantially mm. in Europe, which usually for these like kind of darling teams, it's because they're on, they're overperforming XG by a lot. right. They're yeah. super clinical or they may, they score some wonder goals to help them out. They're not doing that. They're mm. just creating so many chances. Um, and I think he kind of needs to step up and score. And then it's like, who are the, who else is going to replace them? As you have the two guys we mentioned, Shedev and Kurbanli. It's like, they're playing in the Azerbaijan League. We haven't really seen them in Europe. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually really know their quality because we can't watch the Azerbaijan Premier League yeah. and tell you and scout it and say, like, oh, this guy's really we, good. We, if we really wanted to, we, we could, could probably go to Azerbaijan and live there and do it and cover it full time. Yeah. Uh, law school might be more important than that. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. Learn Azerbaijani. Yeah. I'm not Become the top fun. football reporter in Azerbaijan. Maybe we should take this podcast on the road. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> um, Live from Baku. It's any, any given Thursday. Thursday. Your best and only English language, Azerbaijani League coverage. <laughs> Please welcome our uh, 0.5 Twitch Make streamers. <laughs> so, you know, we talked about their good players right now, but we should note there's a very important name I didn't mention. Right, one of the stars more important of, than Yankovic. More important than Yankovic, <laughs> one of the stars of the European group stage. Like, I saw actual like soccer media reporting on this. Uh-huh. Right, and it's Caddy Borges who left for to Krasnodar for mm. two million euros. It is a really, it's a really big, big, it's a big fee for yeah, it. It's a big fee. Carbag. It is their yeah. largest fee ever. Wow. Um. So he's a 26 year old Brazilian and Polish attacking Classic combination. Slash. Yeah. I mean. It's just see so many of them. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's felt like I had to mention. Yeah, it, but yeah. I assume everyone. Everybody knows. Assume the type. that's what it was. But he knows the type. Um. Yeah. So he is midfielder, winger. Just he wowed a ton of people in the Europa League. He's super creative, mm-hmm. and you know was kind of the focal point. If you go back and look at a lot of their goals, it, it's coming through Caddy. Um. He's going to be extremely, extremely difficult to replace mm-hmm. for them, which you know makes me a little nervous about their matchup with Ghent. But mm-hmm. have they done anything in the window since losing him? Not signing. Yeah, interesting. uh, I mean, they probably don't have two million dollars to refunnel, reinvest very often. So I wonder if that means translating that into players, or if it means just putting it into the system. Yeah, yeah. I imagine has to go back into the system because probably seems like a waste to spend two million. Yeah, you probably would. I mean, yeah, but it means like you're just going to two five hundred k fees. You know what they wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know what their philosophy is in that. If they're like more likely to promote with from within or. 
yeah, I mean, they do. It seems like they do a decent amount of that. I mean, Moose is really their only young star, though. He's 20. Uh And outside of that, I think there's maybe one other player under 22 that's gotten any minutes for them. Mm. So it's a pretty old team. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's a chance for them to kind of like hoover up some of the younger Azerbaijani (laughs) talent. Yep. It's my Hoover sound. That was a great Hoover sound. You should go into voice acting. Thanks, man. Um, you know, so without him, it's kind of hard to see where they're going to get a lot of the creativity from other than mm-hmm. Zubir, which gives them kind of that not problem where it's like, oh, everything's coming through this one place. We just need to shut down. The it's one always place. like it's, it's hard when you thing. have not problems, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be the same thing they did to not. Don't you have, have a gnaw have to do problems? That. Yeah. Oh, that's French joke. Pretty good. Thanks, Max. Pretty good. Pretty good. I like that one. Um, Got myself on the back. This is also the second million dollar sale they've had this year. Really? Yeah, they sold Ibrahima Waji to Saint Etienne for one million over the summer. Did they now? Mm-hmm. Which isn't working out great. No, Saint Etienne are just awful. Or the bottom of League, League Two de. somehow. Yeah, or League uh, Two. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry. the French Two. <laughs> League Two. Yeah. So three million dollars or That's euros tough, from sales in the Azerbaijani League. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. All right. So moving on to their performance this season. Halfway point where we're recording right now, they currently have a seven point lead over Saba, mm-hmm. 50 points. It's a lot of um, 48 lot of goals, points. only eight allowed. Uh, crazy. Both best in the league. There are only two dropped games where draws one yeah. at home with Zira, who are just like a mid table team, uh, and then a nil nil draw at Saba, wow. who are second place. So, really impressive. They played what, 18 games? Yep. Yeah. 50 points on 18. Games. Yeah. So, it's a 10. 10 team league, they play everybody home and away yes. twice. Twice, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, works out pretty good. You don't have yeah, to do yeah. some weird playoff system. Yeah, you don't. The callback to a former. So, uh, yeah, go listen to our episode on Union Central One. You'll get the joke. Um, yeah, so <laughs> in Europe this season, though, this is, you know, kind of the bulk of what we've talked about them through. And Champions League, they had their first matchup against Lech Poznan and really struggled in the first stage. Kind of marking Ishak, who we've mm-hmm. talked about a little bit. He's a good striker. Yeah, he, he got free a couple times. You know, yeah, no, I was because I like like I like watching like play in the conference league. Yeah, um, they got through their group too. They struggled in the first game against them, but just killed them in the second leg and advanced five mm-hmm. one. Yeah, um, Caddy Board just starred in the second game, scored two goals, just created piece again. Mm-hmm. Um, went on to defeat Zurich five four in the next. Which, round. if you think about it. From the perspective of that, of when that happened, mm-hmm. Zurich's coming off being champions of Switzerland mm-hmm. for the first time in a while. Yeah. Yes, there's been some turnover in the squad, but they probably rate their chances there. Turns out Zurich are an absolute calamity. Oh, they really. But, <laughs> so, so we have to we have to think, but we have to think about that from the context at the time, which would have been people would not have expected Carbag to be the Swiss champions. I don't think. Yeah, no, I definitely think you're right about that. Yeah. At the time, it feels time. like a huge victory. Now I'm like, oh yeah, of course Carbag beat Zurich, but yeah. Um, then they beat Ferenc Varos 4-2 on aggregate. Which, also very impressive. Yeah, Ferenc Varos are a very strong team out of Hungary who are yeah. a slightly better ranked league. And mm-hmm. Ferenc Varos are just, they are Karbag in that league. Yeah. Like just Ferenc Varos caused problems in the Europa League group. Yeah. Almost eliminated Roma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that sent them all the way to the playoff. That's a super round. impressive result. Yeah. Yeah, they end up in the playoff round against Victoria Pilsen. Pilsen. Mm. And the first leg, they you know, dominated play in Baku mm-hmm. in front of almost 67,000 people mm-hmm. and just couldn't get the goal. It was one of those, it's why, it's like games like that that are why yeah. I really question Lusu, who's super fun to watch. He's so fast and creative and like, 
great at getting in positions to score and then it mm-hmm. just like it's it's just like right at the goalkeeper like yeah. every time this is a, um, a that's another another tie that gives a good sense of their of their quality though because mm-hmm. pilsen again are, are uh czech champions mm-hmm. and are have they're in the lead again this year they score a ton of goals they're a really yeah. entertaining side so mm-hmm. that that's like no small feat to go toe to toe with them yeah and i know pilsen got like demolished in the Champions League, but they yeah, were playing like Barcelona. Yeah, like, <laughs> what do you want from them? Yeah, yeah. they just happened oh, to be man, there. I bet Carbug would have loved that group. They would have made yeah. so much money. Yeah. Um. But if actually, if you want to see like a really good example of Carbug's style of play, that first game against Pilsen is such a good example of it. Completed over 400 passes. Um. They had 86 percent passing accuracy. So again, it's kind of demonstrating like just a lot of the short passes, just going to move the ball up the pitch routinely and then get that one through ball that works mm-hmm. um in Czechia it looked like Karbag were on their way to going back to the Champions League group stage uh they went up one nothing and then it very quickly turned into a nightmare as Pilsen went bang bang two bang, one bang. win the old bang bang yeah and got through into the Champions League group stage damn but that sent Karbag to the Europa League group stage which isn't terrible and then they were drawn in what we all thought was one of the toughest groups possible mm-hmm. and we gave them like next to no chance. I yep. actually have our writing about them Uh-oh. up, which isn't, isn't super <laughs> proud of me. Pick them fourth. fourth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't reflect great on us. Um, you know, we talked about their history a little bit. Uh, we were like, oh, it's not the same team that they were in the twenty tens. In fact, there actually are like four players still on that team. Uh, um, they might, they might even be better than that. We mean? did. I think they are. Yeah. We did say, though, that games in Baku could very well be what decides who qualifies from the group, and it was. You know, only Freiburg got a positive result yeah. in Baku. Every, everyone else Lost. really struggled going there. Yeah. Um. So. And we, to be fair to us, but we couldn't have predicted Olympiacos completely just, collapsing. Yeah. Just awful. They were terrible. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. Why do you care about Olympiacos? Because I had them topping the group. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I yeah. had Freiburg, right? Or did I have Olympiacos also? You had Freiburg, not okay, Olympiacos. Yeah. Oh, a few. At least that was a little... But was, we were... I remember the conversation... I was only like, worried about Olympiacos because of the qualifying runs into the group where they yeah. were really bad. Yeah. Um. I remember the conversation being, whoever drops points in Baku is yeah. going to lose. Like, someone's going to lose, someone's going to draw, and someone's going to win, and that's mm-hmm. going to be the order of teams. Mm-hmm. Um. We were wrong. Sort of, yeah, mostly wrong. Yeah. Started off in Germany. They had a really good showing, mm-hmm. but no goals, no points, or one goal, but no points. Um, then they had, you know, what everyone thought was going to be the biggest scalp of the tournament when they beat Nolte after a shaky first 30 minutes, it was just all Carbog. Yeah, they dominated. Yeah, they shifted defensively to just defending Moses Simon and not had nowhere else to go. 60th minute, Zubir gets the ball forward to Caddy Borges. Classic Carbog little triangle, uh, is right in front of Caddy who lays it off to Ozovic, who plays a well suit through on goal. And it's just like... It's the sexiest it's exactly, shape of the triangle. It is. It's so powerful, so sturdy. Very arousing. Yeah. You can't knock it over. Yeah. Once it's up, it's up. Yeah. Um, It's just like, you know, it's probably what Grobanov's dreams of. It's like that type of goal. Mm. Quick pass forward into a little triangle. Boom, boom, boom. Goal. Mm. Um, Kept the pressure on in 65th. Another triangle that leads to a goal. Again, Caddy gets the ball. He kind of pushes forward at the defender who has to choose then between stepping up to Caddy going to a Wusu or Zubir. Zubir gets open, buries the shot. Um, and then nail in the coffin, Yankovic, just the nasty little shot from outside the box. Oh, right in the corner. I like when Yankovic gets nasty. Nasty, nasty Yankovic. <laughs> nasty Yankovic. Weird Al Yankovic. Yankovic. Oh. 
Um, and they went back to back against Olympiacos, dominated them in Greece, three nothing. Uh-huh. Uh, only sure got did. a draw back in Baku, which you know in hindsight those it two draw points them, yeah. were huge. Cost them second. Um, but again, it's one of those games they dominated and mm-hmm. Lusu missed some goals. Yeah. Um, return leg in Nantes was always going to be tough. French came away with three points. Final day, they needed to win against Freiburg, who scored in the 25th on a penalty. Mm. And then in the 61st minute, Medina, one of their star center backs, yeah, a uh, real horror tackle. Like, yeah. it's we were covering this, uh, watching all these games with a particular eye for this one, thinking that they might have what it takes actually mm-hmm. with the sort of rotated Freiburg squad having already qualified first. Um, you can go listen to that episode if you really, really feel like it. You yeah. probably don't, yeah. Uh-uh. I'll give you a little rundown of the tackle. It's high. Yeah, it is. Uh, the studs are up. It's late. <laughs> it's all three things. He might also be the last man. Yeah, I, it's all four things. Like, there's another defender off on yeah. the side that could, you know, theoretically uh-huh. be there. But so it's like two red cards. Yeah, it was just <laughs> a terrible, terrible tackle. Uh-huh. He gets sent off, and you're like, "That's it. Mm-hmm. It's over." Nope. That's when they just kind so of like turn things up. They find a goal in the 92nd minute, and they had a lot more chances. Yeah, but, they almost didn't. You know, really yeah. good goalkeeping from Freiburg kept them out. Yeah. Uh, wasn't to be. So now they yeah, drop in Flecken. to the knockout round. I actually don't think it was Flecken. It was was it not? No, yeah. yeah. Um, dropped down to the knockout round. Drawn against Ghent, who struggled in the group. So mm-hmm. that's a decent draw. Mm-hmm. If you're Carabag or... is a team with like the right draws, I could see you wouldn't could look up and they'd be in the semifinals of this competition. Yeah. But, uh, but they could also be out. They could also in, be out against again, Ghent. Because like, Ghent is a, still a big again, team. Yeah, Belgium's the eighth-ranked league in the world, and yeah. Azerbaijan is, like, 29th. Yeah. Right, so... And, All because of Karabakh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... Nepchi aren't holding up their end of the bargain anymore. Yeah. Actually, it could be beneficial for Karabakh if they had, like, real title challengers I, these days. Honestly, I Someone to so push them well. a little bit. I always... Not just in Europe. I always think the dominance from these kind of leagues is yeah. not always a good thing. Yeah. This one, though, it just feels like it's a league that is so small that yeah. it's naturally going to be a dominant league. Sure. Um, they're ranked 29th in UEFA currently, uh-huh. which is down three spots from the start of the year. They've been passed by Poland, Slovakia, and Hungary. Poland were that low. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised Hungary were that, that low. too, yeah. yeah. I guess, you know, well, you miss one year, right? If, like, Ferenc Baros gets knocked out in qualifiers one time, yeah. that lingers for a while. Um, And, you know, I actually raised the question, like, is their dominance good for the league? In this case, it might actually be like the only time it is because because yeah, it keeps them like getting spots in European competitions. Yeah, and they're the only team that's shown the ability to do anything in Europe. Yeah, right? like Nefshi just didn't seem to have mm-hmm. European ambition. They're like, we'll yeah. win and then we'll go to a couple qualifying phases and call it a tournament. Right, mm-hmm. like felt like more like a Liechtenstein level league. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> um, which is state notch, not there. Ouch. <laughs> um. Yeah, so it's like they gotta be careful there. Vaduce might have pushed Liechtenstein in Liechtenstein's coefficient ahead of theirs if they're not careful. It's close, actually. Yeah. Um, Liechtenstein at thirty fourth now. Ooh. They're up fifteen because they got a six point five this year. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, Karabag take up pretty much all of Azerbaijan's coefficient, which is only three point five this year. Mm. Because I think for them, it might actually be more beneficial to be in a conference league group mm-hmm. where you can pick up more points right a little more assured of yourself mm. pick up 10 points boost the league coefficient but they just they can't get a second team into these group stages and i think that's the only way for the league to grow yeah but then again you know we say grow but it's like can they really how much for growth is there countries yeah like yeah you know if we look at who they're by they are currently near poland slovakia 
Bulgaria, Romania, like those are much bigger and yeah. traditional I mean, I power for countries growth, compared to growth maybe means that it's a two-headed monster of yeah. an FG actually competing for titles like mm-hmm. Celtic Rangers instead of on like a obviously a smaller level, but yes, obviously. rather than it just being like one of them locks the title. Mm-hmm. Um but the fact that they're they can compete in Europe is a good sign at least. Mm-hmm. I mean yeah, at least they have one team who can who seems like you know with the solidity and infrastructure to do this to make mm-hmm. a deep run either in the conference league or to like get into a champions league group every couple of years yeah and That's... they made um they got out of the conference league group last year so it's mm-hmm. like you know they're clearly a good enough team for this level. what did they lose to last year marseille the... marseille that's tough just yeah <laughs> that's tough that's tough um they can honestly maybe beat marseille right now <laughs> but yeah and it's also like you look at who they're above and it's all the small countries right yeah. so it's they kind of seem like the delineating line between mm-hmm. okay, we aren't you know the pushover countries anymore maybe kazakhstan yeah. is that line but it's one of those two mm-hmm. that's like the line between the pushover countries and the countries where it's like oh god you do not want to have to play them on the road yeah like <laughs> yeah. you know them being you know around poland and hungary feels mm-hmm. right it feels yeah yeah um well, good for them yeah it's good for them i do think if i'm a player at a big five team mm-hmm. and i get drawn in europe with Karabag, i'm furious baku is like one you go there it's far it's like so far away yeah. <laughs> from every other european team in the big leagues because mm-hmm. they're all in western europe and then also they're crazy they're such good fan base yeah and they're good good quality they're gonna players, turn yeah. out yeah the players are they're good give you a to, game yeah yeah and like we saw with the atletico ones they're not afraid to get a little dirty and so you know it's like just not a place i would want to play if i'm a big if I'm a big team, that would be probably the game that intimidates me the most in like a conference league group yeah. stage. If I drew, that's all you all you can ask as a as one of the, as a supporter of the club. Yeah, absolutely. But well, congratulations to Karabag. They seem to be in the best phase of their existence, mm-hmm. and keep only keep getting stronger from here, strength to strength. Yeah, you know, as they get all this money in, mm-hmm. reinvest it, you know, kind of maybe yeah. help them develop some more players because it's a pretty old team. Mm. That's like Thanks. the one big drawback is yeah. they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players over 30. Oh, damn. And two players under 22. Okay. So yeah, they need to start the refresh process. Yeah. Get a little younger, but bring some new faces in maybe. But yeah. for now, pretty solid team. Yeah. And uh, we'll be covering them in February. Yes. In the playoff round of the conference league. Um. We'll have our own special conference league preview episode that'll catch you up on all these teams too. Um, if anything of consequence happens to them in the next month, assuming they'll still be in first and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Any any final thoughts on your on your friends from Azerbaijan? No. Um. I guess the only real final thought is if you want to see them before the conference league, mm-hmm. they are playing. I think their league kicks back off on January thirteenth. They play. Nope, that is a friendly. Um, <laughs> I think the league kicks back off on the 25th. Mm. They play Tehran. Uh, but, you know, big game. If you are actually interested in Azeri football for some reason and want to watch it, they play at Saba on February 10th, which is probably the only real chance for them to drop points for the rest of the season mm. or to potentially lose a game in the league. Mm-hmm. So if you want to check out a game, if you're sitting around on February 10th saying, man, there's nothing good on right now. Find a stream. Find a totally legal stream, not one of the illegal ones. Those yeah. are bad. 
Or don't fly to plan a trip to Baku and go watch it in person. Yeah, I don't know where Saba are. <laughs> well, it looks like it's a... in Karabag, though. It's at Karabag, so. Oh. So it's in Baku. Yeah. yeah anyway. Um, or go to wherever Saba played and watch it there and be a fan of Saba. Yeah. Where, where are we to tell you who to support? I'm just saying, if you wanted to go to this game in person, you'd have to go to Baku. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, it sounds like that's going to wrap it up for this uh, very special sixth edition of Any Given Thursday's Club Spotlight yeah. series. Um, until next time, cheers to the Azerbaijani Gaffer. Cheers. cheers.